listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey Denver, Chris Lopez here, and on today's podcast, we are interviewing a house hacker who closed on a house hack, a single-family home house hack in Arvada with a mother-in-law suite. So it's a great story, and it's a great property we'll dive into. So our guest is Eric Mias. Eric, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Chris. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on here. I mean, we we've 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 known each other for a couple of years now. We've mm-hmm. talked investing off and on, and you know, getting this house hack. I mean, you got a great deal here. It's a great setup too for you know while you guys are living there. So it's gonna be a great story. So tell us, like, who who are you? Tell us about yourself. Great question. Well, I've uh, been. Went to school in Colorado, up in Boulder, been around here since uh, graduated in 11 and really been interested in real estate investing uh, from an early age, something I've seen a lot of family friends uh, be involved with and uh, something that always was of interest. On the work front, was in the production of ski movies for a long time, recently transitioned to uh, doing fleet leasing, so vehicles for businesses. Uh, and along with that was, you know, some opportunity, a little more stability to start working on the real estate portfolio. So closed on a first property in Lakewood uh, in 2017. Uh, it's a two bed, one bath condo and been wanting to continue growing the portfolio since then. And so when you bought this condo in Lakewood, you said you bought that 2017? Yeah, fall of 2017. Okay. Did you buy it with the intention of like house hacking or nomading it or just buy it because you wanted to buy a place? So bought it with the intention of it becoming a rental. So bought it with that sort of mindset. And then my fiance, uh, girlfriend at the time was living with me and she was my first tenant. So way for us to get in a place that was our own, buy a property and also keep our expenses low. All right. So from there, what as you know, you bought the first place, what's your goals? What's your plan? Like tell people the roadmap for how house hacking work in your real estate investing plan. So the, the goal was to basically keep living expenses low while building equity in the property through, you know, principal down payment, some appreciation, making updates to it while you live there. So really the first stepping stone to building up a portfolio that, you know, with the end goal of having that passive income eventually replace the need for salary, which I think is a pretty common theme among a lot of, you know, investors and house hackers, especially is do I want to work my day job? Possibly, you know, if you love it, that's awesome. I think it just comes down to having that option of working a day job versus having to work one. Yep. So let's talk about this property that you got the first, this house hack in Nevada. Um, Cause when did you, when did you start the hunt on this property? So we started looking, my fiance and I started looking for this property sort of mid early to mid 2020. Uh, we talked about wanting to, get a place that had a yard that had some more space and that sort of became a reality with uh you know new jobs and roles for both of us uh qualifying for a loan as a previous 1099 contractor was always a challenge mm-hmm. and that's sort of why we've been talking for a couple of years is i had a hard time qualifying for a loan uh previously so with a w2 job for both of us it said you know we said okay this is a real opportunity that we can start to take advantage of now. Yeah. Lenders like you a lot more when they W2. I know. And they really do. <laughs> yes. All right. So, and I know, unfortunately, Preston Newberry could not join the podcast today. He's out showing properties right now, but I'm going to turn to the spreadsheet here. 
And so we're gonna post all these notes as well. So on the right-hand side of the screen, I got the spreadsheet with all your notes in here, Eric, I'm gonna okay. populate in here on the left. So I'll talk these numbers through as we uh, go through it. So it's a single family home, primary yep. residence, and give us the layout of the property and what part of town it's in. Tell us about it. Yeah, so it is near Arvada West High School. So uh, I think 62nd and Sims is probably the closest major intersection that people would recognize. Uh, it's three houses down from a great park. So it's a quiet neighborhood, but you've still got good good access to 70. Uh, I-70 is about you know five, seven minute drive. You've got uh, Ralston Creek Trail nearby for walking and biking. So really great location in terms of access, but also in terms of just a place to live. The property setup is a, it's a six bed, two bath, uh, split level home. So, you know, the main front door, there's stairs leading downstairs and there's stairs leading upstairs. Uh, so what we really liked about this place is that it was already set up as basically two units. Mm -hmm. All we, you know, there was basically just a door that needed to be put in and both upstairs and downstairs have their own kitchens, their own um, washer and dryer hookups, and their own their own bathrooms. So, oh, that's a great setup. Yeah. So we were that to us was huge because we didn't have to come in and do a bunch of plumbing work to get a washer and dryer stubbed in or put in a kitchen. Um, and so the way we you know we looked at it is there's a mud room in the back of the property that also accesses both units, and we decided that that was going to make the most sense for the downstairs unit to access through the rear of the property. All right. So let's talk about the contract on this property. What was the list price for? List price on this one was 480. So we came in um, at ask initially. Uh, you know, the market, in, the, we closed on this in September of 2020. So the market was hot, but not quite as hot as it is right now. So in talking with Preston and our experience with, uh, you know, what else is going on in the market. We said, you know, we'll come in and ask, even though there's some, some stuff that we think needs to get done, we'll figure out what that looks like during due diligence. Okay. And so was your offer accepted? Our offer was not officially accepted. We got some feedback that, you know, we needed to come up a little bit on price. We wanted the sellers didn't want to, the seller was an owner of, I believe it was 50 properties in Denver in the price of liquidating his portfolio. So he didn't want to deal with any nitpicky items. So we had to, you know, adjust and throw in a, a clause that we wouldn't go after items under, I believe it was twelve or $1,500 on the inspection. Um, and we did need to throw a little bit of a $5,000 appraisal gap in there as well. Okay. And that got you the deal then? That's what we thought, right? We were yeah. like, okay, cool. We did everything they asked. You know, the Preston had done a deal with this agent, you know, a few months prior. So we said, okay, here it is. Here's the updated contract. We're, we're waiting for it signed, waiting for it signed, checking with Preston. He's like, they're not getting back to me. Turns out uh, they basically waited through the weekend, uh, even though we had a 24-hour response deadline. They waited through the weekend and they ended up getting an offer coming in uh, closer to 500,000. So, you know, almost 20,000 or 20,000 over ask. And they said, we decided to go with that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the game. So you put your first offer in, you came back with a counter, you still lost out, mm -hmm. but we're, st we're still talking about the property. So what happened? Yeah. So what, uh, you know, what Preston said is, Hey, doesn't hurt to throw in a backup offer. You never know what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Could fall out of contract. And then basically we're slotted in to take next place. Uh, and that's something that I honestly wasn't very familiar with, but 
that said, you know, this is the property. This makes a lot of sense. And if we can get this one, that'd be great. So we submitted the backup offer and continued to start look at other properties in the meantime. And then what, like a week and a half later, you got a phone call back? Yeah. Yeah. It was Friday afternoon. Preston called and said, Hey, got some good news. Fell out of contract and we've got it. So, and you're at the price for the 43, the 43 original. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And turns out the previous uh, couple that was under contract on the property, they were first time home buyers and they got the inspection report and there were some big ticket items that we could very obviously see. And I think once they saw the the whole laundry list, they got it scared feet. them. Yeah. And that, yeah. And so, I mean, that's very common for, for first time home buyers. And it's also, you know, get, putting in backup offers. Hey, we win deals that way. It's a good way to get deal deals because things follow a contract. And if you're there ready to go, Hey, yeah, that speaks volumes. So you did the inspection on this place or you got the inspection, the inspection report from the previous buyer. Mm-hmm. And then you also had your own inspection. Why'd you also do your own inspection? So the reason we did our own inspection is because we had been on a under contract on a previous property and this inspector had been really thorough, straightforward, honest about the condition of that previous property and, and basically said, this is going to be way more work than you think it's going to be. And if it were me, I wouldn't move forward with it. And to get that kind of honest, candid feedback was really helpful because we're, you know, rosy eyed glass or rose tinted glasses. This is going to be great. We'll do all this work ourselves. It'll only take a couple months. And you're in our contract. There's a big yeah. emotional thing that a lot of people don't realize about property. Like once you're in our contract, especially your like first property too, like there's a lot of emotion attached to it and it becomes harder to walk away from it because yeah. you're already committed. You've already dropped off a $5,000 earnest <laughs> money check. You already envision yourself living there. You're already figuring out stuff. We've driven the neighborhood and it was close yep. to, you know, it was close to our previous condo and we were like, oh, this will be great. We can, this will be our grocery store we'll go to and all this stuff. So, um, so the right move to cancel that, right? Yes. hundred yep. percent. It would have been at least a hundred thousand dollars in renovations in six months. And that was money we didn't have. So, uh, so that was the reason for doing our own inspection is, I wanted to get uh, this gentleman's feedback on this property as well. So inspection, sewer right on, typical stuff? Typical stuff. Uh, we got sewer scope. They couldn't complete the scope. There was a, a bump in the line and they're like, we can't get past it. And so that was uh, a red flag for us. The inspection came back with the roof's pretty much shot. Um, HVAC is 20 plus years old on its way out the door. There was... Uh, some settling and some concrete that raised some concerns. And then also the electrical panel was a, um, a Zinsco panel, I believe, which oh, is yeah. a, a potentially dangerous yeah, uh, replace those. issue to have. So there are a lot of big ticket items in there and that's sort of where we said, okay, what are we going to go back to the seller with? So what was the negotiation? So we went, so since we had the, you know, the, the minimum threshold for going back to the seller, we said, okay, what are the big ticket items that we're looking at? Um, roof number one, number two was the sewer because we couldn't get a full scope. We said either we need a completed, you know, you need to jet the line, clean the line and give us a a clean scope or fix whatever issues there are. Uh, we also said, okay, we'll throw in the AC because that was non-functioning at the time. We said, we'll ask for that and see what happens. And then we'll ask for, there was some settled concrete. We said, we'll throw in that ask and see what happens. And basically knowing the last two items were probably throwaways, but give us a little leverage. Yep. So what they do when they come back with you? So they came back and, and agreed to, uh, do the 
give us a credit on the roof. Basically, we had to do uh, three. We got they got an estimate. We got uh, two estimates as well, and basically came to a, uh, an agreement on the amount, which I think ended up being I think it was sixty sixty five hundred on that. And then the sewer line, they ended up getting it cleaned. And then once that they got it cleaned, realized that it was cracked and had to do a um, pipe burst on it. So we needed to get that that replaced. And then they also agreed to do the electrical panel. So altogether, you have about $9,300 in seller credit, yep. right? Mm-hmm. All right. So what that means there is great. Negotiate that. That's $9,300 less money you have to bring to the closing table. Um, now for the initial repair cost, you got $26,000 in here. So that's for new roof, gutters, furnace, AC, and sawing washers and dryers, right? Yep. And some of that was a little, uh, but 6,400 of that was more recent, um, and wasn't, you know, at the initial move in. Yep. But I mean, you're doing that in the first year, really, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if it's in the general, my, the way I underwrite properties, if it's the first year while you're there, it's in this repair expenses. Yeah. Cause you know, Hey, we have to do this at some point and you're factoring in. So acquisition cost, you were at about 9,300. And so I'm assuming that was enough just to use all the seller credits. Yeah. So what was financing on here? Cause let's talk about this because you have seller credits. There are mm-hmm. rules around seller credits. If it's a primary residence up to 3% of the loan value can be seller credits. I believe it's 3%. So in a loan balance of, you know, $350,000, you can use whatever, ten dollars or $11,000 total on credits. So what'd you use your credits towards? So our credits, uh, we used, we maximized as much as we could towards um, some of the closing costs. And then we also had to utilize uh, just over four grand towards buying the interest rate down. Yep. And that ended up getting us down to 2.625%. Wow. All right. So 30-year fixed and you did a 5%, 5% conventional, conventional right? yep. So bought it down and you're at 2.625. All right, so all in, so $483,000 purchase price, um, about $9,000 in acquisition costs, $9,000 in seller credits, $26,000 repair costs, all in for about $52,000 the first year. Now at closing, you were not bringing that at closing, you were probably all in for about 25 grand or so. Uh, but then with the initial repair cost, that another twenty five grand on top of it. Is that about yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. About right. And so you budget for that, you plan for it. You got a great rate at two point six two five right now. So you'll keep that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then while you're living there, are you living in the top or bottom unit? So we are living in the upstairs uh, unit currently, and we've got the downstairs uh, rented out. What's the downstairs rent for? It's rented for sixteen hundred a month, uh, plus one seventy five in uh, utilities. Okay. For rubs. So seventeen twenty-five for everything? Uh seventeen seventy-five. Oh seventy-five. All right. So we're gonna write this right now while you're living there. We'll say three percent vacancy, property management. Obviously, you're not paying for that. Repairs and maintenance. We got the initial repair cost the first year. What do you put repairs and maintenance at? So I've got it at eight percent, uh, mostly because I sort of agree with your approach of the conservative underwriting. And if it's better, that's a bonus. Uh we do have almost all the major systems now replaced other than the water heater. So we've got the new, we've got new HVAC, we've got new roof, we've got new electrical panel and new sewer line. So yeah, you should have minimal cost, knock on wood, <laughs> uh, for the first couple of years, but at some point you do have to pay the piper. Yep. So no HOA, your taxes are about 27 bucks a year, insurance, 1375. And then utilities, we're right about 350 a month. A month all in. Okay, so 
350 times 12 to annualize is about 4200 bucks a year. And that includes all the utilities, right? That includes the internet as well. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, landscaping. I threw 500 in my model. Uh, we're doing it ourselves currently. And yeah. we're most likely going to ask tenants to continue doing it themselves. We'll see how it looks after we've been gone for a year, but well, it's a rental, yeah. a future rental. <laughs> so we got the numbers in here as while you and your fiance are living there. So annual gross income, about $21,000 expected. Mm -hmm. That is great coming from your neighbor slash tenant downstairs. Yep. Uh, all the expenses, about $10,000 a year for expenses. So you are negative cash flowing 13,000 bucks or you are living for about $1,100 a month, pretty conservatively. Yeah. So you're paying $1,100 a month to live in a three bedroom, one bath. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you've rented in your life before. Rentals for $1,100, are they better or worse? Much worse. Okay. Typically. So great thing is there, you are living for great, you know, a lot less than you would by renting or buying that, you know, just paying the house for yourself. Now, from a personal perspective, um, you and the fiance, are yeah. you too happy? Yes, I'd say so. I think she would agree 95% uh, of the time. Um, it's they're happy enough. Yes, absolutely. There, I mean, obviously there's a compromise, right? The compromise is we have neighbors downstairs and sometimes we hear them and sometimes they hear us. And that's the trade-off for having somebody pay the majority of your mortgage. And for us at this point in time, we're okay with that. In five years, I don't think we'll probably want the same setup. Yep. But for us right now, it makes a lot of sense and we're able to keep saving for the next property. And your future sales will thank you guys a lot. Yeah. All right. So we'll come in here now and we are going to add in the second rent for when you move out. And you think $1,800 upstairs? Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, the $1,600 rent downstairs, we were going into winter and we got the lease signed starting December 1. So I initially had the downstairs listed at 1650 plus we have a a detached garage that I was asking another 75 a month for. So I think there's some opportunity to, to move up um, potentially both of those numbers, but for conservative purposes, I think that. All right. So when you move works. out, what do you think you'll, the rent will be on both, you know, move out, you get the units up to rent. I think, I think 1650 and 1850 are very, very doable. And then plus rubs on top of that. Yeah. So would that be what? 300 bucks a month total? Uh, 350 total. 350, okay. So it's going to, you're going to offset it. So that puts you at about a, just under 4,000 gross monthly income. All the expenses will remain the same. You're going to self-manage. Mm -hmm. um, utilities, all that stays the same. Well, now this swings drastically. Now your annual cash flow is about 10,000 bucks a year or almost what $800 a month or something like that. Yeah. So big swing and move out. You got to be happy with that. Definitely. And you know, that's something too to me worth mentioning is that these are both, uh, with the properties rented long-term and Arvada does have some pretty favorable rules for, uh, for short-term opportunities as well, which is something that we're, we're exploring. And, you know, when we turn over downstairs, may look at doing that to potentially drive some more returns. So talk to us about, cause you've been in this property now for a good, what, six months, mm -hmm. six yeah. months, seven months. Okay. So we got the numbers here. These are great numbers. Um, now operate the property you moved in. What advice or tips can you give people who are, you know, thinking about buying their first house sack or they're about to do that transition? Like it's always, yeah. you know, you're planning on doing numbers and you move in. 
things get real. Now you're getting <laughs> tenants like walk people through what you did and advice or mistakes that you made. Great question. So I think, so we plan to do a lot of the work ourselves. Um, getting in there. So we had this previous condo that I was also doing some work on while trying to get that rented. We're trying to do work to this new place in Arvada and get that rented. Be realistic about yourself with yourself about how thin your spread and ask for help or hire help. We were very fortunate. My parents volunteered to come out for 10 days in September and they said, we're just going to help with projects. Like we, we want to come visit you. That's great. And it, it was huge. And you know, they've, always been pretty handy people. So it made a world of difference for us and just knocked so much stuff off the list that we were able to get the property rented, you know, probably a month or two earlier with, with that help. So I think being willing to ask for help. And then also uh, on the advertising and tenant screening front, I definitely got to the point where I was like, man, I'm, I just want someone in there. I don't want to, we budgeted some reserves to cover the, the cost of not having tenants, but also I mean, you know, every month I don't have tenant, that's another, you know, 1600 bucks we got to spend. So, so don't worry about 50 bucks a month then. Yeah. Basically I, you know, I was pushing for top dollar rent and then got to the point where if I get someone in there a week or two earlier that covers that $50 a month rent. Difference. Which is a great point to, you know, think about because someone's be like, Oh, I got to get this rent and you can, but if it's going to take you two months to rent at that, because you're coming in like a slow time in the market, you're yeah. coming in close to winter time. Um, yeah, two months of vacancy is going to cost you twenty four dollars. You know what, three thousand dollars, thirty two hundred dollars, or you drop hundred dollars. Great, you're making two hundred dollars less, um, but you don't have all this other vacancy. Yeah, so that that was a huge lesson for me because I'm always some someone who wants to optimize and be most efficient, and that's great. But go go for eighty five percent. Just get it done, get it moving, and I and you can definitely go out there like, hey, put the written, you know, test it out there, test the rent. But if in forty hours you're not getting any, you know, follow up, great drop the rent, like get aggressive for sure. And I think on the tenant screening, especially if they're going to be tenants that you're living next to be strict and don't, don't sell your requirements short just to get someone in their ASAP. We probably had 75 inquiries on this place. And how many property tours did you do? And this, this was sort of like prime COVID time. So we, mm. I was doing some FaceTime walkthroughs. I basically said, if you're interested, I'll do a quick FaceTime walkthrough with you. So I guess my process was Initial phone call, ask them a list of screening questions, basically. Who's going to be living there? You know, what's your work situation like? Do you smoke? Uh, pets. And then we do a FaceTime walkthrough. And if everything looked good, great, I'll get you scheduled. So I think we did three or four actual tours. One that I was, it was a single older woman and seemed like a great fit, but then she didn't end up coming through. And uh, so we ended up with a, a great setup. It's, um, you know, a small family uh, that has been, they've been awesome. So hoping to honestly keep them in there. And what software did you use to screen them? We used uh, Zillow rental manager. Okay. Uh, and in terms of advertising, Facebook marketplace is where both of our tenants and or our tenant end up coming from for this place and our condo also did Craigslist, which was kind of a more of a mixed bag. And then also did uh, Zillow paid, uh, listing. Okay. So that was the software used and you're going to use that same software process again for yeah. the future for now. Yeah. So they were good enough. Yeah. It worked well. And, um, the only thing I will say is we use for the condo, we use Zillow rental manager to collect rent, which is automated, which is great, but it does take about five days to hit your account. Whereas if you do it through PayPal, which my other tenant does, we get it in about two days. Okay. So if that matters to you, that's something I've noticed. All right. So great property here. What's the future plan? 
you know, we are what you're six months into your one year rule. Mm -hmm. What's what's the next step? What's the plan? So plan right now is to keep saving up for the next down payment. We'd like to, you know, try and get a place by next spring, similar setup, uh, in the West, you know, we like the West side of Denver. We'll see what inventory is looking like and what pricing's like at that point, but do one more in Denver. And then we'd like to, you know, eventually move to the mountains, get a little more space, uh, some land and probably still have something that has a guest house or an ADU type setup. Um, and then, you know, folks on buying strictly investment properties, most likely from that. Okay. Yeah. So sounds like a great plan. So what's a great way for people to connect with you, to, to follow you, to connect with you, learn about you? What are, how can people connect with you, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got, uh, should have my email and phone number in the, uh, in the show notes. I'm happy to chat and just, you know, meet up for a coffee or a beer and talk real estate or whatever else you got going on. Um, and then I'm also doing, uh, some stuff through, uh, a side project, uh, step-by-step bnb.com as well. Yeah. And that's something we're actually, so, I mean, you know, right now we're recording this interview about your house act. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break and actually interview with your partner on there. Jay can do a full in-depth podcast on um, Airbnb in the mountains and also talk about the process that you guys have put together, which is what you're documented, put together on that website, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So definitely connect with him. If you guys are into the Airbnb, listen to that podcast, check out the website because um, they are good resources. Eric, thank you so much, man. Chris, appreciate it. Great to be here. 